You're listening to Past and Present, the Colonial Williamsburg podcast. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter. This week, we continue our occasional series on the trades practiced in Colonial Williamsburg's historic area. Today, we're joined by master cabinet maker Mac Headley, who you can meet in his shop on Nicholson Street next time you visit. Mac, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Well, I said you're the master cabinet maker. How long have you been at this business? Well, I've been cabinet making all my working career here in Williamsburg uh, full time since 84. I mentioned your shop is on Nicholson Street. It's one of my favorite shops to see because it's got like this flying wing out over a little brook. Is that just a happy accident or is that functional? It's a pretty scenic uh, setting, but the cabinet uh, business kind of grew uh, over time. Initially, it was just one main workroom, and apparently after the master had been there for 10, 12 years or so, he added an addition, we think, as a, um, a wear room or a, a show sales area. So the shop where you work today is actually based on a historic 18th century tradesman that we know practiced there. Yes, it's been reconstructed uh, after a pretty thorough archaeological investigation uh, back in the 60s uh, and really put back on the original foundations. But the building is all, all new. What do we know about the man who, who practiced there in the 18th century? Well, Anthony Hay's first appearance in Williamsburg is from a legal proceedings uh, uh, in 1748. Uh, and then uh, a very interesting advertisement uh, in late 1750 when he is looking to build a work crew, apparently. He wants journeymen cabinet makers who know their business or would be uh, considered taking on a, a promising young apprentice uh, uh, and is, uh, again, apparently trying to build up a, a shop. So we know about him from the documentary record, but you also mentioned that there were some excavations on the site. What did they find there? Well, there was a tremendous concentration or, 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 a, or an interesting uh, clear line between uh, refuse that was from the cabinet-making business uh, and the domestic refuse of his house, which was just uh, adjacent to the, uh, to the working shop. Uh, and lost tools, broken parts of furniture, uh, incomplete uh, pieces uh, that were discarded or lost, there just some thousands and thousands of artifacts. It's one of the most productive uh, trade sites in uh, colonial America. When you look at the artifacts that were found from that site, what's the most interesting to you to see? Well, one of the most unusual uh, findings were uh, um, a couple pieces that were damaged in construction. They never made it to completed pieces, but they're one uh, table leg and one chair leg, uh, which were apparently uh, uh, ruined and discarded, but they're in a intermediate stage. I mean, we have lots of completed uh, original objects, uh, but there are very few drawings from the 18th century, and there are very few um, intermediate steps that can give us a, a hint of the in-between process between finished and, and raw materials. We're saying you're the cabinet maker, but you make more than cabinets. How does, how does the nomenclature of that work? Why are you known as the cabinet maker in the 18th century, but today we would understand this trade as someone who makes fine furniture? Well, I think today's term has kind of been co-opted by you know, kitchen cabinet makers and um, the origins of the, the term cabinet maker may well come from earlier uh, years when the cabinet is a private room in a house and uh, we are workers for the cabinet. We cabinet makers split off of the architectural joiners trade in the 17th century as more ornamental furniture and, and ornamental interiors uh, 
uh, come into popularity, so we kind of pick up the um, and, and by mid 18th century, um, the making of chairs and tables and chests and and all kind of fashionable household furniture is going to fall under the workers for the cabinet. Now you've said fashionable furniture. Is this distinct from maybe more workaday or more functional furniture pieces? Who would have this in their house? Well, you'd probably have to be established middle class before you could afford things like this. We know that uh, Anthony Hay was selling furniture to masters of other trade shops in town, um, but they're certainly above average people. Um, uh, so most folks would um, have a, well, an intermediate market would be served by joiners who trim houses. Well, uh, out in the countryside, beyond population concentrations, those are your best woodworkers. And, uh, and they do furniture along with their uh, house interior, windows, doors, stairways, panel walls. They're still quite uh, finished uh, uh, woodworkers, but, uh, but usually working on a heavier scale than, than cabinet makers. There's also a uh, certain influx from uh, turners who uh, spin pieces of wood in uh, lathes uh, uh, and then just drill holes and plug one turn part into another. That's a, a, a different level of uh, you know, furniture. And, and there's a good bit of that coming down from the northern colonies uh, um, to, to serve the, the, the secondary market or, or background rooms. The cabinet maker uh, works with wood, which is obviously an organic material that responds to changes in climate. And I'm thinking about what kind of concessions or allowances you have to make for wood in a time when we don't have climate-controlled rooms. What kind of differences do you see or, or adaptations do you see with Virginia furniture? Well, actually, uh, Virginia pieces are using uh, many of the very best uh, London practices for accommodating these very things you're, you're considering. Um, you know, England is a fairly uh, humid climate, maybe more consistently so than here. Uh, about a third of the high-style furniture was imported from England, uh, and those pieces are going to go through a... Um, Climatization and acclimation to uh, uh, to our environment, um, and um, need some maintenance uh, after that. Uh, after a period of adjustment, uh, well, our pieces are going to go through the same thing. As uh, the hay shop sets in a very damp place, uh, um, the bottom of that that, that uh, drainage area is going to be a pretty humid place. We're making things that are going to be shipped inland to country estates. Um, the things in town we would be able to get to and and uh, maintain fairly readily, uh, but uh, building things that will shrink and swell with some predictability, building in flexibility, uh, the uh, gelatin glues have a certain uh, elasticity to them so that you can kind of build in expansion uh, to the pieces. Um, it's uh, something that uh, uh, they did put a great deal of thought uh, into and uh, uh, and there are some very clever solutions to the uh, problems. Many uh, of the um, regional centers in colonial America are continuing practices which are coming out of the joiners' uh, backgrounds. We know that a lot of the colonies develop a distinct furniture style so that when someone evaluates it today, they can say, that's Boston, that's Pennsylvania. What is distinct about um, Virginia-style furniture? That What are the hallmarks of the Virginia style? Well, some of it, it would be this use of the uh, most uh, kind of uh, thoughtful London techniques. About, a, as I 
I think I mentioned uh, about a third of the high-style furniture is coming from uh, uh, Britain. Well, that sets a kind of mid-level London standard uh, in this area. So we have these these uh, expansion joints and and uh, special applications for blocking up uh, um, uh, bracket feet. So uh, you get uh, a sympathetic movement for the reinforcing blocks inside the face of a foot. Uh, that's not something you see much uh, around the rest of the uh, colony, some, but... Um, uh, those construction techniques and a um, very, uh, I guess, conservative uh, uh, bent towards uh, ornamentation. Uh, our things can be almost uh, dry, kind of academic in uh, kind of following the plain but neat uh, kind of mantra that uh, planters and, and writers uh, uh, in the 18th century suggest they prefer uh, we do see ornamented pieces, but they tend to be things used for ceremonial or, or uh, um, you know, entertaining guests at tea as a formal social activity. So um, tea tables are our most ornamented and kind of distinguished pieces probably uh, for uh, household things here. So we're, um, I think the Virginia things are, are some of the most progressive uh, pieces kind of from a technical aspect, but kind of... Um, very restrained, uh, kind of in an artistic sense. When modern Virginians, or anybody who visits, come into your cabinet maker's shop today, I wonder what kind of tools you use that they might recognize, or, and conversely, what tools that you have in use which are no longer in use in today's woodworker's shop. What's different about tools now and then? Gosh, I think most of the tools we use would be recognizable to the, certainly the general public. Uh, you know, a handsaw is a... Uh, uh, a pretty familiar item. Uh, it's uh, you know, lots of small chisels, uh, um, a line to uh, help uh, dimension uh, pieces and cutting them to width, cutting them to length. Most modern builders are, of course, uh, not working solely uh, uh, by manpower as, as we tend to. Uh, but most of the new uh, inventions for dimensioning lumber and, and cutting lumber were, were made in the early 19th century. Um, and, and many small hobbyists uh, do have shops equipped with table saws and joiners and planers and band saws, and it, it really makes modern woodworking quite a, a, a different uh, a different exercise. Although, you know, wood as a raw material and wood is still wood, uh, so the final product, uh, uh, all the, the engineering and uh, and Wood's malleability and, and all those things have not changed at all. Um, so um, in, the, in the long run, you, there are just lots of different ways to get to the same same place. And, and even with hand tools, uh, different 18th century workmen would, would buy specialized equipment to try to develop an advantage in a particular area. Um, I, I guess people have always had their preferences in different ways of doing things, but that, that kind of applies to the hand tool world as well as the machine world. Mac, thank you so much for being our guest today, and we hope that everybody listening will make a, make a trip by your shop on their next visit. Okay, well, thank you for having me. To support the podcast and Colonial Williamsburg programs, visit history.org slash donate. We love hearing from you. Visit history.org slash podcasts and click comment at the top of the page to drop us a line. <laughs>